Welcome to the Texas Hemp Show. This is podcast number oh, 079 this week on the Texas Hemp Show. And uh, joining me on the podcast this week, episode 79, is David Sergi of Sergi & Associates, Attorneys at Law. Uh, David is the managing partner at Sergi Associates. And also uh, joining us on the show will be Jay McGuire of the Texas Hemp Federation. Uh, Jay was on just a few weeks ago, actually, but he is one of the clients of Sergi & Associates with the Texas Hemp Federation. And so we thought it'd be good to have both them chime in again so we're having uh, jay joining in on the conversation again this week my co-host jesse williams from the texas cannabis collective here uh, as well and so bring on mr sergi and and jay mcguire here in a second uh, mr sergi brings his unique background to the practice that he has there in san marcus and Sergi was born there in Hamburg, Germany, where his parents were opera singers, and he's established a great practice there in San Marcos, uh, which combines his courtroom expertise in the areas of commercial and criminal litigation, along with several cases in the cannabis sector in recent years. And so we're going to talk about the legal sp- legal space of cannabis here in the Lone Star State and, and talk to these guys and, and welcome them. And here's our conversation that ensued. Thanks for tuning in. And nothing, nothing warms the cockles of a conservative heart like making money. <laughs> exactly, and that's what I get at. You know, it, it amazes me that um, you know the the amount of revenue that is generated with these states. Uh, Jesse and I reported uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe ten podcasts ago, but we talked about how the state of Illinois' revenue from cannabis in the last year out uh, ranked outrated the state revenue for its legal alcohol tax, and this was in the state of Illinois. So you know you're you're generating some serious revenue when your state tax out outranks your alcohol tax, guys. We've seen that. We've seen in. The last 30 days, the state of New Mexico did huge. Uh, I think it was over $10 million in a week in cannabis sales just in the first week alone. But uh, very impressive numbers we're seeing with, with the states that have active cannabis programs. I, I, can I throw something in here? Um, we've talked a lot about the reasons why legislators and leaders in government should get behind legalization and that's really not my brief i my job is to represent the legal hemp industry but if i were trying to legalize cannabis i would have to consider that the levers of uh power uh really don't always correspond exactly to what the voters want and it doesn't always correspond to um uh, to to revenue uh you know voters overwhelmingly support legalization of marijuana. And in Texas, a majority of people support free and legal abortion. But our government, our legislature, and our administration are against that. So take into account electoral politics and and find a way for the, the Republican majority uh, to get behind this. That that's the way we get it we get this done. And and David touched on this um, average uh, Texans 
veterans especially speaking out is so important so that um, they can be calculated into the decision. Um, so, you know, it's not going to just happen on its own. It's going to require some uh, citizen activism, and it's going to have to come from people who vote in the Republican primary, too. Yeah, I think some of the – and, Jesse, you can chime in any time here. If, um, I was going to say um, something that we, we're, we're talking about is how much revenue it brings in. And the point that they're, they're getting at here is that in Texas, if you're making the revenue argument, you're going, oh, look, uh, New Mexico just brought in $22.4 million this last month. What could Texas do? And legislators look at it and go, well, whatever Texas is going to do looks like a drop in the bucket compared to natural gas and oil industry. So it, it, the better argument is what David was talking about, jobs. They love job numbers. Everybody, every politician loves job numbers going up. Yeah. You know, I'm going to relate a story. When I went to the mid-year convention for the Texas VFW, and I was amazed. I was standing by a stand where they were handing out free samples of Delta 8. And the number of little blue-haired old ladies, little pink-haired old ladies, old veterans that were wearing MAGA hats that were coming up to us and saying, I love this stuff. This needs to be legal. And it was exactly the kind of voter that most Republicans, I don't think, contemplated feeling that way. Yeah. Isn't it true that, I mean, th that's what's changing in our culture. And, and I will address culture after our first break, too. But I, I think, you know... The baby boomer generation, Jay David, is is, is they're really starting to sway into this. As as the baby boomers become older, they're they're starting to find that they need this medicine uh, in their lives. So it's a very interesting. Uh, your thoughts on that? Because uh, you know my parents were my parents were hippies, David. So they're not the gen they're particularly not the ones that need to be convinced of any of this. But you know the other hardliners uh, that were. You know, uh, the Roger Stones of uh, the Nixon era, you know, are the guys that are now uh, taking cannabis uh, meds and CBD. And, and so uh, your thoughts on just that baby boomer generation uh, for even the Republicans? Oh, I think that those of us that are boomers and tail end boomers, uh, we are speaking louder and louder uh, I was just reading an article about a very famous rabbi who just died in Israel who had over 500,000 people at his funeral, and he had blessed cannabis, and he approved of it. And I was just amazed to see the number of Orthodox Jews all of a sudden who are coming out and talking about cannabis that would never have talked about it otherwise. And I think this goes across all economic stratas, all religious stratas. You know, I've got friends that are evangelical Christians that are have come out and said, you know, I don't agree with much that you stand for, but I sure agree with you on cannabis. Well, David, going to your speaking with you about your law firm, I know you work with consumer product companies. Uh, you, you know, you know, folks can contact you for startups, retailers, nonprofits. You know, you you kind of cover it all in, in in many aspects, but but as well as as well as clients like the Texas Hemp Federation that are in the cannabis space here in Texas. Yeah, we try to be a full service firm. If we don't have it in-house, we have people that we work with that know how to do it and do it right. As an example, in our Delta 8 case, I reached out to one of the best appellant litigators in the state to help us on our brief. And I think that has, while 
you know, we could have done it ourselves. We use people to do it better that we work with and we build a team that I think has been highly effective. And that's how we approach our work. My background was, I was in a big law firm in San Francisco and a big law firm in Australia. And I understand how this business actually operates and how you get the results. Well, listen, stay right there, guys. This is podcast number 79. Our guest this week is David Sergi of Sergi and Associates joining us on podcast 79, along with Jay McGuire of the Texas Hemp Federation. I'm Russell. He's Jesse. Take a quick break on the other side. It's the Texas Hemp Show. We'll be back after this, guys. We just met But oh how I want Just a little more time And the unique struggles this emerging market creates for early adopters We love working with innovative entrepreneurs on the next big thing And we believe hemp is exactly that For over 130 years, we've been getting to know our clients And helping them plan for their future Come tell us your story and plans for your venture. TFNB Bank, your bank for hemp. Proud to support Texas farmers. Visit online at tfnbtx.com. Hey, this is Cheech Marine, and you're listening to the Texas Hemp Show. Hey guys, it's Russell here for the Texas Hemp Show. Check out our friends over at CBD Seed Labs. You can plant your next hemp grow crop with proven genetics. They have the ACDC Cherry Blossom Mountain Mango. They just did a first place smokable flower for that Texas Battle of the Buds in 2021. Their hemp seeds are 100% USDA compliant, 99.9% feminized, and 99% viable. Premium feminine hemp seeds, expert consultation. If you mention the Texas Hemp Reporter, you'll also save 15% off. So give them a call or check them out at cbdseedlabs.com. Why take a chance with your hemp grow? Join Hemp Plan and avoid the risk. TPS Lab's exclusive hemp monitoring program. Hemp Plan members get one-on-one consulting from knowledgeable consultants who are available when you need them most. If you want to take the guesswork out of growing hemp and focus on what matters most, call TPS Lab today and ask for your free consultation. Take the next step to a successful harvest. Visit tpslab.com or call today at 956-383-0739. Hey, this is Tommy Chong, and you're listening to the Texas Hemp Show. The Texas Hemp Reporter is available free at all CBD and smoke shops in Houston and Austin, Texas. Expanding to Dallas and San Antonio this year. Cannabis is slowly becoming legal in Texas. So be sure to listen to the Texas Hemp Show podcast every week, wherever podcasts are available. The premier hemp and marijuana advocacy publication for Texas. The Texas Hemp Reporter magazine. Mailed to over 2,000 licensed hemp producers in Texas. Texas. News, technology, trends, finance, culture, health, all things hemp in the Lone Star State. Now in our third year with more than 100,000 copies made available free at over 1,000 CBD and smoke shops in Texas. That's the Texas Hemp Reporter Magazine and the Texas Hemp Show. Visit online at TexasHempReporter.com and listen wherever podcasts are available. Now back to the show with your host, Russell Dowden.
All right, welcome back to the Texas Hemp Show podcast. This is podcast number 79. I'm Russell Dowden with the Texas Hemp Reporter magazine. And our guests are David Sergi of Sergi and Associates and then Jay McGuire of the Texas Hemp Federation joining us here on podcast number 79 this week here on the Texas Hemp Show. David, can you speak to the cannabis uh, cur- curriculum program that you were talking about with the state board? Uh, you were talking about maybe putting something together coming uh, down the road. Can you tell our, our, our listeners a little bit about that idea? Because I thought that was that was definitely a program that would be needed. So I've been on the uh, state the state bar board of directors for the last three years. And one of the things that I realized is that we operate through sections. So we have criminal law section, family law section. Uh, there's a political section. What we really needed was a hemp law section or a cannabis law section so that lawyers have a place to share in our space. In other words, so we can all get together. We have a platform to train so we can train our judiciary, offer training for law enforcement, uh, make available the latest state-of-the-art knowledge and practical application of hemp law and cannabis law so that we share it throughout the state and turn this into a practice area that isn't just a bunch of cowboys, but it is a bunch of well-educated lawyers who are thoughtful, who network together. We make sure that we get the right results. Yeah, that's that's definitely something that we we can we could take advantage of. And I mean, last year Greg Abbott signed a legislation, uh, a law expanding Texas medical marijuana usage under the Compassionate Use Program. Uh, this allows our our uh, folks who suffer from PTSD, cancer, uh, medical conditions. So what changes do you think that we'll see? And, and this is for the floor, you know, Jay or David, you know, or, or even Jesse. What changes do you think we will see, guys, as we uh, get into the 2023 session? Because we want to try to see, you know, if these laws can improve uh, the current laws. And, and will anything significant get past Dan Patrick? <laughs> I would let the others talk about that. I, I can tell you, um, so, you know, the legislature has wildly different ideas about this, depending on, you know, what side of the, the rotunda that they're on and what side of the aisle that they're on. Um, so I, I, I certainly don't want to predict anything uh, Lieutenant Governor Patrick is going to do. Um, we, have to, we have to work with that office as well as every other office in the building. Um, I do think that he's a really sharp guy, and uh, you know our our strategy of involving as many uh, red voting groups uh, in the process may may persuade him to not not be a roadblock to getting things that we would like to have, uh, and also not trying to come after us the way they did last session. Uh, that being said, I am absolutely a hundred percent certain. Uh, that that Charles, Senator Perry, uh, who you know came against us last session, will do so again. Um, David is part of a team of three different law firms and three different lobby firms uh, that we are have retained at the federation, mm-hmm. and they are there to help defend the industry. Uh, we're here to defend against all threats, uh, bad legislation, bad regulation. Uh, and and you know bad enforcement actions by uh, some misguided law enforcement agencies too. 
Well, that's a, and that goes kind of to my next point that I and I really wanted to and I, I mentioned this earlier to David today. How can we educate our law enforcement officers more about the changing landscape of Texas uh, cannabis laws? Because it seems like we still have a few a few counties out there that that are unclear that hemp is hemp and hemp is, hemp is legal. So, uh, what can we do to educate law enforcement, David, as we you know, to Jay's point there. Well, I think education, talking, media outreach are the first steps. Uh, being able to speak at conferences like the Sheriff's Association yeah. or any of the police organizations so that we can educate from within. And then if that doesn't work, litigate and defend criminally and then go after civil rights violations where... Law enforcement is overstepped its right, but that should be the last resort because, you know, this is a changing landscape. Most of these law enforcement officers grew up in a time where if they smelled anything resembling cannabis, it was an easy arrest is what they needed to do. That's not the law anymore. That's not the, the change. Things have changed and we need to educate law enforcement officers, especially in smaller counties that don't have the budget. We have to make the tools available to allow them to change from within as opposed to forcing a change. You, you know, David, one of my clients uh, early in uh, our in the magazine of the Texas Hemp Reporter was uh, Garcia Brothers Organic Growers. They're up in um, um, Big Spring, Texas, in that kind of in that area. And what, what they told me they did when they started – is they invited local law enforcement to see their their uh, greenhouse and to, to come in and be familiar with it. And um, he said that was successful for them, that they were able to let let them let law enforcement see their permit documents, let them see they also grew honey in addition to cannabis. But but that was a good program for him in his local area, he said. And you know what he said, Jay, is he said that every Every local law enforcement guy came down, but the old guy and it and David, it was it was the old guy that didn't want to come down and check out the local greenhouse. He he was used to a certain of a certain generation, and and he didn't want to he didn't want to open up his mind to these new laws. And so, I think just talking with your local law enforcement is a is a good step. And like you said, David, to me earlier today. Honey goes a long way more than vinegar, uh, you know. When it comes to comes <laughs> right. to talking to these guys, either of you want to comment on on, on any of that as, as educating law enforcement goes. Let me say let me say this. I think I've mentioned to you before that that I, the earlier part of my career, I worked with one of uh, one of the Nixon White House appointees uh, who actually has represented Roger Stone in, uh, recently. Mm-hmm. Um, that guy uh, at the Law Enforcement Assistance Administration from the Ford administration on pushed out billions and billions and billions of dollars to law enforcement to train them to think that that smell was, that's a triggerable event, let's go get them. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just that it was an easy arrest, although that's a thing. Um, it was that they were ideologically um, uh, indoctrinated into thinking that they were doing something really good for the country by interdicting anything having to do with marijuana. So that's, that is a hard hurdle to overcome because especially as we get older as human beings, um, our mindsets are more fixed and it's difficult to get us 
to change our viewpoints. But we, we have an opportunity uh, to work with mainstream uh, you know, chiefs and, and sheriff's offices. And we hope that the message reaches enough of them, uh, that their policies change, that their education improves. Jesse, you want to comment on this? I'm going to go to my co-host, Jesse Williams, with the Texas Cannabis Collective. Uh, just let him chime in on, on the conversation. I was going to walk back to the, the thing about the legislative session that I think people, our listeners and our readers, need to pay attention to is that there's people like myself who are advocating for hemp and marijuana, and then there's the Hemp Federation, as Jay pointed out, is just their hemp. They want is as open and reasonable, responsible hemp program they can get. And... Nobody, nobody wants an irresponsible program, but we've watched this last session has how these things are technically tied together in ways mm. and they will try to pit us against one another. We watched as they try to pit farmers against Delta eight the store selling Delta eight and CBD oil. And I can almost guarantee you that they'll try to pit legalization advocates against hemp advocates and say, well, if you want one, you can't have the other. Is my personal thing during this last session was I pointed out that we probably wouldn't see the medical go to 5% initially if the hemp bill did not go through because it was probably going to be tied to this Delta 8 issue. And that's kind of how it unfolded. And we watched as there were people in the space. There were a couple of individuals that weren't elected officials and then a couple of elected officials that literally pitted people against each other in a war on this. Jay or David, do you agree with that? I mean, that's exactly what that's exactly what we experienced. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it's so unfortunate. I mean, it, it, just in the one hearing that I testified in where Senator Perry was, you know, so, so, so uh, uh, derogatory towards our side and so pro the farmers. And that's an obvious tactic uh, to get us sort of, you know, on different sides of the same issue. My goal, you know, Texas Hemp Federation has farmers, growers, uh, manufacturers, retailers, and and, mm -hmm. and uh, distributors. And the idea is we represent the whole industry. Um, and one of our challenges and one of my team's challenges is to try to uh, explore what common ground exists between all those sectors, especially the farmers. They, they need to get a good price for their crop. And Delta 8 is driving the demand for hemp-derived cannabinoids. It's a real clear uh, mathematical equation. Somehow politics sometimes even even clouds people's economic thinking. So uh, we have to undo that. And that's exactly what we're going to be attempting over the next few months. Our guests are David Sergi of the Sergi Associates Law Firm and Jay McGuire of the Texas Hemp Federation. This is podcast number 79 of the Texas Hemp Show. Let's turn gears a little bit and talk about that culture that I mentioned with, uh, to David earlier. Um, we seem like culturally across the United States and even the planet – it seems that culture is ready for legislation. When you see the polls, there's a new article we're working on right now in the Texas Hip Reporter about a poll that just came out a few weeks ago. I believe it was like 70% of folks of the, United, of the citizens want legal cannabis. But from legislation to business to medical to recreational, it, culturally, it seems like we're really ripe for change, David. You're not going to hear me argue with you. I think you're <laughs> Spot on. <laughs> we all agree with what you just said, Russell. It I mean, makes perfect sense. Well, we're just we're all experiencing a 
from music to video games to you know television to movies uh you know we have a magazine about hemp and cannabis here with our, our publication um jesse and i last year this very show aired for 16 weeks on klbj for a little bit of of time jay uh last year so i really think you know when corporations you know that own broadcasting you know stations are open to having us on their their networks we're we're making a dent in the space culturally here how do you guys feel about cult, the culture here uh, locally in Austin as well as the rest of the state, and if not nationally, Jay? You know, I, I think the, the prohibitionists began to lose the war when Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart got <laughs> yeah. sparking on TV. That, <laughs> yeah. that to me is like, you know, that's the two different Americas coming together right there. Yeah. And um, But, I mean, the city of Austin has never been – um, you know, a, a, a city dominated by a prohibitionist mindset. No, uh, no the state right. of Texas has, though. Um, but the, that poll that you referenced earlier back in November, you know, shows a, re- a, a majority of Republican primary voters support legalization. That's right. And when I say legalization, to me, that's like a stand in for for cannabis approval generally, because that's a pretty, you know, reasonable assumption. So, um yeah, the the culture has changed altogether. I've got a I've got a guy that I work with who's seventy years old, uh, held a position in the Williamson County Republican Party, um, and but at seventy he you know he's got joint pain and muscle pain and you know knees and hips and all that stuff that happens to us as we get older. And I turned him on to Delta Eight. Uh, he goes and buys some stuff. Uh, he's got a topical and a gummy, and lo and behold. Uh, not only is it working for him, but he hasn't become a communist. Uh, <laughs> right. you know, he has thrown his hair out and refused to bathe and wear tie-dye. And none of the things that he was uh, brainwashed into believing actually is true. And, you know, they're, they're figuring out that they were lied to. And uh, they may never come out and say it, but they do like our products and they don't see any reason for them not to be legal. <laughs> well, that's certainly that's certainly promising that, to know that a, a former Williamson County Republican um, – it's uh, feeling that way, and and that's how it is when they get old. The guys get older; they start trying medicines, and so that's a good thing. I got, I got asked at a VFW post last Friday about, well, how do you handle when people become lazy because of this substance? And I was like, people don't need this substance to be lazy. Trust me, I'm a hundred percent disabled, retired veteran. I don't need pot to be lazy. In fact, I'm more productive with it. So I don't know where you got the lazy point from. <laughs> you know, a better, a better, a better question or or a different response to that would be, you know, what do you do when people become violent and stupid when they drink alcohol? Yeah, because that is that is the difference between the two the two uh, substances. Or when they're passed out in the curb because the VA has been giving them opioids over and over and over again. David, let me bring you back into the conversation. Are you pessimistic or optimistic about the future for Texas cannabis? It's, it's got to be po- uh, optimistic, right, David? I am overwhelmingly optimistic. <laughs> we have such a great team, such a wide diversity of people from black and brown to white to Chinese. I mean, I have met so many people that are pro-cannabis now, some that weren't pro-cannabis two or three years ago. I have met investors that have invested in large distribution companies in California and here that are that see the future. 
So I am overwhelmingly optimistic. You know, you work also closely with Jay's group at the Texas Hemp Federation. And I don't know what became of that one case, Jay, but I, I did get you in touch with that veteran farmer that my, my reporter Rachel was working on a story. I don't know how. Was there any update that you could talk or elaborate on that case at all, Jay? Uh, We're talking about the one in Navarro County. Correct? Yeah, yes, the Navarro yeah. County Sheriff's Office. That's right, Jay. Yeah, so that's a, that's a company called Sky and Hobbs. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Hunter, uh, is it Hunter Robertson? Roberts? Yeah, Robinson. Hunter Robinson uh, and his partner, who's like his lifelong best friend, invested everything they had in a hydroponic grow, investigated all the genetics uh, to, to find the best genetics that would more likely come in under the 0.3% uh, uh, legal limit mm -hmm. and uh, had all the licenses. Uh, everything that they grew had a, uh, was analyzed on the right time schedule. They had their certificates of analysis, but the local police department really didn't get it and uh, rated them. Uh, you know, we, we should let Hunter speak for himself, but it was very apparent that the police did not believe or understand that that paperwork uh, demonstrated the legality of the business. Um, and Hunter eventually was arrested when he has felony charges pending against him stemming from these, uh, this misunderstanding or this misapplication of the law. Uh, so the Texas Hemp Federation has been looking, uh, like I said, it's our job to defend uh, the industry wherever the threat is. Uh, we have also been looking for test cases that we can use as part of the education program that we're developing for decision makers and law enforcement particularly. So we've taken this on as a test case. Um, our, our attorney, David Sergi, is going to be handling it. And my job is to raise the funds mm -hmm. uh, to help see this through to, um, you know, a, a successful conclusion for Hunter. Um, the Texas Hemp Federation has a uh, donate site, donate, uh, excuse me, link in green there. Uh, and any money that we raise, you know, from now until we reach about $25,000, which we think is about the budget that we'll need, will go towards Hunter's defense. Uh, anybody who donates will be publicly recognized as well. And we promise full transparency as always, whenever we have to do things like this. Yeah, that's really important. And, and I'll, uh, I'll try to make a pledge to support that to help Hunter. And I want to get Hunter on. I think maybe you guys can, maybe they've reached out to me and I've kind of put you in touch with them and my reporter, but love to get them on the program and talk about this case. D David, did you have any comment or anything uh, uh, regarding that or, or that case at all? Well, I mean, based on my preliminary look at the case, it shouldn't be a case. Yeah. And so part of our purpose is to educate law enforcement as well as the judiciary and the district attorneys as to what the state of the law is. And that's what our next step is. Uh, try not to be confrontational. If we have to be confrontational, we will be. But at the end of the day, I don't think this should even be a case. Yeah, they haven't, uh, Jay, what I understand is they have not, um, according to my reporter's article, they have not um, produced the evidence that states that they are, their, their crop was uh, 0.377 higher than whatever it was, or than the 3% legal limit. So uh, if they don't have that evidence, then that case likely be dropped, wouldn't it? 
sure. Let me let me point something out that this raises a, another point that's slightly different from what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. We we don't have faith that the crime labs um, have the ability uh, to reliably produce an accurate result. Um, industry goes to much more modern laboratories that can help us. You know, if you read a COA, it's got all kinds of uh, all kinds of, of substances that it's testing for that the crime labs don't necessarily. And I've also heard from lots of people in the industry that some crime labs are not sophisticated enough to be able to tell the difference between Delta 8, Delta 9, Delta 10, um, because they, you know, they're molecularly so similar. Hmm. Well, the difference, though, could be felony, you know, multiple felony charges or totally legal and within your rights. So, you know, we, one of the things we want to do is make sure that we, we flag this issue and, uh, and, and make sure that, that police labs, if they're not doing an adequate job, uh, that, that they get up to speed, buy new equipment, get more training, uh, or send them to the labs that we do. Because yeah, we know, I have a question about. We know that Sky and Hobbs. Um, we know that Sky and Hobbs COAs showed that they were well within the legal limits. I have a question for David about this. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the possibility to say that this this gets dismissed? That these two could press a civil suit against the police department for say gross negligence and how this was handled. Well, it would be what's called a 1983 civil rights complaint, and you know. If you look at this uh, from a plaintiff's point of view, probably could be a pretty decent case. We just have to understand what happened and was there conscious indifference? There are all these little buzzwords that make it hard to sue the government. So their level, God, I'm talking like a lawyer now. What they've done wrong has got to be so obvious that no one would do it. Is that the easiest way to put it? And so I think, you know, We'll have to see what happened in this case. We have to see how far this goes, what the internal communication shows, all the things you're supposed to get in discovery, which my understanding is all that the current lawyers have gotten is a uh, corrupted disk of nothing that we that can't be used. Right. I'll also add one other thing, because I want to add something to what Jay just said about uh, testing labs. You know, if you look at the number of simple possession of marijuana cases that have been brought in the last couple of years, most of those cases don't go anywhere because they can't actually test the marijuana to determine whether it is above or below 0.03. And that is in our labs. I know in my own county here in Hayes County, San Marcos and Comal County next to us and a bunch of other counties, they haven't even tested most of the marijuana. They're so far backlogged because the crime labs don't have the right equipment to do the job. Right. And unfortunately, the DA out there, I remember when we legalized hemp, his comment was, well, I'm still going to have people come in. I'm still going to go ahead and try to test it. I'm not just dropping cases because it's so close. It seems to me like we should have a, a representative bring a, a a good transition as we get into cannabis more in the Lone Star State is to have a bill that, that has the criminal – lab be uh, a private lab or a lab that's familiar with testing cannabis already and not ready and not one of these crime labs as to your point jay i, I would it, doesn't that seem like a good fair law uh, david it certainly seems like a good fair law to me i mean one of the big issues is 
you know, it, it comes down to money and the sophisticated equipment that is required. It doesn't seem like government wants to spend the money on it. Or if they do, they're so overwhelmed that they can't actually test everything. So I think having a bill that would require certification by our Forensic Science Commission, which is something the defense community has worked on for a long time, and actually have real fungible uh, and credible uh, requirements for testing labs makes a lot of sense, or in the alternative, to have certified labs that you can refer things to so that they can properly test it. Yeah, that's Let me just... point out that if, 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 uh, if we legalize uh, more cannabis or if we even just pay an excise tax on the, can the, uh, the, the hemp-derived cannabinoid products that we have on the market, we could fund those labs without impacting the existing state budget one iota. Mm -hmm. These, I'd say the equipment itself is it's great for when we set down a regulation on how we want to approach what what's in our hemp what's in our cannabis but it also because it seems self-defeating that if we if we try to push for a full legalization that we're going to have labs that test for percentage amounts of thc at that point it's like why spend the money if you're not going to need it for that in the end well you know that's a really good point i've actually heard from some friends of mine that are involved with the forensic science commission that they suspect that legalization is coming, and so government doesn't want to spend that great amount of money to buy this really sophisticated equipment. So I think you've hit a really good point there, Jesse. Super important to remember that 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 <clears throat> liquid and gas um, mass spectrometry spectrometry um, is for, it tests everything, not just not just cannabis. So you know they have to they have to analyze could be used tell folks how you can help companies stay ahead of their legal and regulatory changes here in texas david fire off your website the law firm let folks know how they can get in touch with you sir and 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 utilize the services of of sergi law there so uh, my website is sergilaw.com s-e-r-g-i-l-a-w.com uh, I'll even give you my cell phone number because I am here for this industry. I'm here for the farmers. I'm here for the distributors. I'm here for the consumers. My cell phone number is 512-757-1570. I tend to answer it most of the time uh, between about 7 in the morning and about 11 o'clock at night. Well, he answered me today when I asked him to be on the show, so uh, that tells you he's uh, he's certainly available and called me back uh, as well today. Uh, Jay, uh, at the Texas Hemp Federation, how can folks support your organization? You called out for uh, an, an effort to raise funds for this this case that David's willing, to, with your help, to handle uh, for these guys. Fire off how folks can donate, how they can get involved with your organization. You do some good stuff over there at the Hemp Federation. Thank, thank you for saying that. Uh, it, anyone who donates to the Texas Hemp Federation between now and however long it takes us to, to raise the $25,000 to cover uh, Hunter Robinson's defense in this felony case, uh, anyone who donates $100 or more will get a membership in the Texas Hemp Federation for the next year. Uh, which uh, gets you the benefit of our updates uh, and the advocacy work that David's team 
uh, and the other law firms and the, the lobby firms uh, provide. So just go to www.texashempfederation.com uh, and I'm giving you my phone number too, 512-954-8054. Uh, if you are aware of a, a uh, raid or an arrest for Delta 8 or any other hemp products, uh, please text or call me because we want to hear about it. Yeah, they, the, we had um, Jay on a few weeks ago, and what happened is uh, Hunter and his family reached out to the Texas Hemp Report on an email, and I guess they got some publicity up in Dallas, but they wanted to reach out to us and see if we would cover it. I put a reporter on, on, onto that, and then you immediately, when, we, when I told you about it on the show a few weeks ago, we're like, hey, this is like the thing we do, and, and so uh, put me in touch with them. So I'm very... You know, glad to see that you guys have, have, have willing to help them, and that we all could could help those guys. And hopefully, that that case will just get squashed. Let's hope so. But this is a really great example of how everybody in the industry can help each other if mm-hmm. we all work cooperatively. As a great example, well, guys, I, I'm going to let you guys go, and we'll go to a commercial break. It's the Texas Hemp Show podcast number 79. Jesse and I will be back on the other side of this break. But uh, thank you again to uh, David Sergi and Jay McGuire. Thank you both, gentlemen, for being part of the show today. Bye, fellas. Thank, thank you both. You. We'll be back after this. At TFNB, your bank for life, we understand the unique struggles this emerging market creates for early adopters. We love working with innovative entrepreneurs on the next big thing, and we believe hemp is exactly that. For over 130 years, we've been getting to know our clients and helping them plan for their future. Come tell us your story and plans for your venture. TFNB Bank, your bank for hemp. Proud to support Texas farmers. Visit online at tfnbtx.com. Hey, this is Cheech Marine, and you're listening to the Texas Hemp Show. Hey guys, it's Russell here for the Texas Hemp Show. Check out our friends over at CBD Seed Labs. You can plant your next hemp grow crop with proven genetics. They have the ACDC Cherry Blossom Mountain Mango. They just did a first place smokable flower for that Texas Battle of the Buds in 2021. Their hemp seeds are 100% USDA compliant, 99.9% feminized, and 99% viable. Premium feminine hemp seeds, expert consultation. If you mention the Texas Hemp Reporter, you'll also save 15% off. So give them a call or check them out at cbdseedlabs.com. Why take a chance with your hemp grow? Join Hemp Plan and avoid the risk. TPS Lab's exclusive hemp monitoring program. Hemp Plan members get one-on-one consulting from knowledgeable consultants who are available when you need them most. If you want to take the guesswork out of growing hemp and focus on what matters most, call TPS Lab today and ask for your free consultation. Take the next step to a successful harvest. Visit tpslab.com or call today at 956-383-0739. Hey, this is Tommy Chong, and you're listening to the Texas Hemp Show. The Texas Hemp Reporter is available free at all CBD and smoke shops in Houston and Austin, Texas. Expanding to Dallas and San Antonio this year. 
cannabis is slowly becoming legal in Texas. So be sure to listen to the Texas Hemp Show podcast every week, wherever podcasts are available. The premier hemp and marijuana advocacy publication for Texas, the Texas Hemp Reporter Magazine, mailed to over 2,000 licensed hemp producers in Texas. News, technology, trends, finance, culture, health, all things hemp in the Lone Star State. Now in our third year with more than 100,000 copies made available free at over 1,000 CBD and smoke shops in Texas. That's the Texas Hemp Reporter Magazine and the Texas Hemp Show. Visit online at TexasHempReporter.com and listen wherever podcasts are available. Now, back to the show with your host, Russell Dowden. Welcome back to the Texas Hemp Show podcast. This is Russell with the Texas Hemp Reporter Magazine. And Jesse joining us as well as always there from home this week at the Texas Cannabis Collective. Hey, good, pretty good uh, deal to get uh, both those guys on at the same time. I think that worked out really good. It's a two for one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gotta uh, unmute myself first. <laughs> wouldn't that be cool, Jesse, to have a law in place? I mean, we need, I need to get in the ear of uh, Representative James Wyatt or somebody like that who's, you know, aggressive in, in the, the House with uh, with these laws. And, and um, you know, let's, let's pass a state crime lab for cannabis bill or something that l- makes the law enforcement enforces cases that have to do with cannabis or hemp that have to use a public lab what do you think of that that, that would be I'm, pretty I, cool I'm, 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 I, it sounds great i think it's a fruitless effort we have a lot of laws we put in place that say the law enforcement must do this dps must do this and we watch as they just sit there and go <laughs> no not gonna do that they're notorious for that i just it's really it's insane that our law enforcement, I guarantee you, the day we pass the, the permitless concealed carry, open carry, whatever, where you don't have to get a concealed carry license anymore, officers knew about that law the day after it was signed by Abbott. They probably knew the day he signed it. Our hemp law, though, somehow they have no clue. <laughs> and it's, it's like, why is there this? Well, we don't have the money. Well, do what our parents tell us. Figure it out. <laughs> it would only be fair to growers like Hunter Robinson and, and that crew or the guys who were transporting in 20, late 2020 at Red River Management that had to deal with this as well, if they're going to use a crime lab to test this, the, the, the cannabis that they're confiscating and making arrests with, it, it they, should, right. they, should, they better be right, and they should use the same damn labs that the rest of us have to use for our certificates of analysis. It seems like that would make... Since it, just, the, it would hold it, law enforcement accountable to the same lab testing for their dis, for their prosecutors' offices as as what we use for testing uh, for the Department of Ag, and it, it really shouldn't even get that far. We shouldn't yeah. even have it. Shouldn't have to right. get to that point where it has to go to a crime lab for this. It, your officers should go. Oh yes, you have your legal paperwork. Oh look, there's phone numbers there for it. We can call and confirm these things. Oh, 
looks like you're good to go. But well, I don't know. That looks an money. awful lot like that funny, wacky tobacco, Jesse. I don't know. I need to take you down here and take you upstairs yeah, and knock yeah, you over your head a little bit. Yeah, your mom looks funny, but that didn't stop your dad, though. <laughs> well, I'm, 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 I'm being humorous about that, but I think that you know. So but I think that you know we we need to edge. That that's really a big part of of. Uh, the learning curve is, uh, you know, the guys out in Dumas County. <laughs> they're, they're, guy, Mr. Dumbass. Trust those me, guys, I'm the guy. those sheriffs in, you know, little yokel, smaller Texas towns, they, you know, they've got to, they got to get up to speed with the rest of, you know, the metropolitan uh, police agencies and, and, and get, get themselves caught up. Cause, uh, I just, I just don't like the idea that, we're told ignorance of the law is no excuse when it comes to our behavior, but that's what this is going on with them is it's ignorance of the law and they're going, well, it's okay. Well, well, nobody told us. And it reminds me of something I heard in the military. Lack of planning on your part should not constitute an emergency on mine. Yeah. Well, they're watching everything we do uh, and they are trying to enforce, you know, enforce the old regime and and uh if you've got your paperwork in order and you have your certificate of analysis and your cannabis looks and smells like cannabis uh but you know hey uh don't forget to remind our law enforcement officers that their parents are taking cbd (laughs) so guys not everything you see is uh is uh you know um, some of them are using it as well there's officers using creams and oils and tinctures and all that stuff (laughs) Where do they think it comes from? Let's jump over to the TexasHempReporter.com website there for our viewers and, uh, and check out uh, the website. Guys, I wanted to make a point here that um, you can check out the website for a lot of great news. We're updating the site pretty frequently. We just posted that article about a, friend, a hemp-friendly bank. Um, and uh, you can hear the podcasts on here. If, you, if you're not sure where to hear the podcast, check it out. It's always available right here. On the iHeart Media Player on the homepage, you can check out. Sometimes we've got a video posted uh, as well. You can click on the link there to see the magazine and check that out. You know, one of the things that we keep doing is we keep publishing articles, and I'm going to keep doing this because this is agitating, Jesse, and I'll, I'll get your take on this in a second. But we keep posting articles on Oklahoma, on New Mexico. And what their programs are doing, and, and and I thank you because you're you're a part of this. You just did a great interview uh, with uh, Colt DeMorris at the Normal uh, chapter in El Paso, and Colt works in New Mexico, and he's very much a part of the active uh, cannabis, uh, recreational cannabis they have there in in uh, New Mexico uh, with with his day job, but. Um, I like that we stir this up and 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 jump back to the to the homepage again, Carl. Uh, the you know we're we're mixing it up by talking about Oklahoma and New Mexico. The more we talk about these other states, you know, it's in a way it's agitating because you know it's letting law enforcement and not so much law enforcement, but but just letting the public at large know, hey, this is what Oklahoma's doing. Uh, this is what New Mexico's doing. This is what Louisiana's doing, and. Um, and I'm not picking on Texas, but I am, Jesse. You know what I'm saying? So, like, oh, we do this on purpose over here at the Texas Hip Reporter. And I don't know if you guys uh, – you share that sentiment, right? I mean, you agree with it. We should agitate a little in, in that sense. 
I did an interview with the guy running for the House District 54, Texas House District 54, Jonathan mm-hmm. Hildner. And I brought up, I was like, you know, I find it insane that Texas has been telling veterans, hey, we've got all these benefits, um, tax exemptions and DV plates and all these little things here, and free parking in random cities and free parking at the airport. Come, come here. We've got all these benefits. And they do it because they want us to spend that VA comp and pension money in the state. But now it's come to this with cannabis, and you have veterans that are going, I got to leave the state. I'm going to leave. I've got to become a medical refugee just to get the proper care. And they're going, well, why are you leaving? But at the same time, going, well, if you don't like it, leave. <laughs> okay. And a lot of veterans are going, bye. Don't, 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 don't leave with your check. <laughs> don't go to those other states. Yeah, well, we, we folks are going to, you know, try other things in other states. and uh, uh, But I just want to invite listeners and and viewers to check out the texas hemp reporter magazine if you haven't picked one up check one out uh you can flip through these online as well you you can go to our website and and access them there uh check out the podcast check out the uh uh video podcast follow us on instagram twitter and uh keep doing your part out there you know Uh, uh everybody we're all in this together and i think we're making a difference uh collectively jesse and um we're going to start mixing up and getting some, some co-hosts in here, too. I want to start getting uh, – uh, I've asked uh, – uh, well, who was it I talked to the other day? I, I asked Jay today. I, I said, Jay, maybe you ought to come in and say hi to Jesse and I and, and uh, come in and let your voice be heard once in a while on the show. Um, and then uh, there's others. So we, we, may, we may mix it up and have some new faces in here this year. But we are all doing our part trying to get to a, a better state – of, uh, uh, of of laws with, with our hip and, and cannabis here in the Lone Star State. And, and thank you, Jesse, for everything you guys do there at the at the collective. And uh, a good show this week, man. Yeah, great. Loved, loved having David and Jay on. Yeah, good. Always great convos with them. Good stuff with those guys. Well, that wraps up podcast number 79. It looks like next week on the show we have Cameron Field. Uh, Cameron will be on in the first segment with... Um, the law office of uh, who is he with there? Uh, I've got Cameron. Well, I, I see I've got a Dr. Ray Alamomaro on that one. I also have Cameron. Well that's, well, that's April. Oh, that's April. May we have the on the 11th, Dr. Ray Alta Morano. Good Earth. Yes, and then we have Mike Hobble on over at the loot. Uh, Jesse and John. I do Jesse also. I do, but I have Cameron on, and I, and also another show uh, with uh, Lee Hemp Seeds will be on next week too. So I'm I've got to squeeze in a couple of extra guests in the next couple of shows, but we'll keep doing that. I can't believe we're trucking along. It is podcast 79. Next week will be podcast 80, and we've got some good things we're cooking for our June second anniversary edition of the Texas Hemp Reporter Magazine. So stay tuned for that coming up in the end of the month. I'm Russell. He's Jesse. We'll see you next time, guys. Adios. Adios.